we are in the second week of being in the book of Ephesians. Last week, Jimmy started us off with the opening greeting, Grace, as well as some historical background. Today, we'll be looking at chapter one, verses three through 14. And I forgot to get uh, the text to, girl. oh, but she made it happen. Okay, so as I read, if you want to, <laughs> what, what did I miss? <laughs> Um, So, as I read, if you want to follow along uh, silently. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership, or other, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. So this, pas- this, this passage delivers a lot. I confess I was very apprehensive about it. And um, it just happened that I was the one that was gonna preach on it. Uh, so it gives us a lot to think on, right? And as one can imagine, there's been plenty of discussion and debate over the years by theologian and theologians and others regarding this portion of scripture. Thus me being apprehensive. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not gonna go in that water and I'm not gonna go in that water, so I'm just gonna stay in my lane here. Perhaps, but perhaps together we can consider what is being said and what God might have for us on this Sunday, Martin Luther King's birthday. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and it is active. I thank you that you are here with us in our joy, in our sorrow, and in whatever place in between that we are in. I thank you that you are a God that does lavish good things on us, and I thank you that you're a God that sees us, loves us, and chooses us. Amen. So theologian and author Klein Snodgrass, who was a professor at the seminary I attend, writes in his commentary on Ephesians that the first chapter is entirely praise and prayer, a primer on worship that demonstrates how to worship and engages us in worship. These 12 verses are a doxology, 
a liturgical formula of praise to God. So that, this first chapter is just about worship and inviting us into that. And I like that. We can enter a text and read of the actual movement of praise to God through Christ for all that he has done. We have entered into worship and we get to engage with that. We who are far off are brought near. That's kind of amazing. I think something about this text and the idea of us joining in is actually very personal. Yes, because of the, of the verses and the beauty of them, but also because of the invitation that is there. One author wrote, Ephesians teaches that the gospel makes way for a new multi-ethnic family of God, transforming how we live as a new humanity unified in love. Paul calls Jesus' followers to form ethnically diverse communities that are unified by devotion to Jesus and to each other, end quote. But we'll learn more about the each other part in weeks to come. At this point, we who were once the other are brought into the fold. The reality of that should cause a stir, a response in all of us, and ultimately a transformation that we live into or if you're already there, living it, continue to live into. Another theologian describes the first part of Ephesians like this. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 is actually one long sentence extolling God's action. The verbs in verses 3 through 10 name God's action, while verses 11 through 14 use passive verbs to describe indirectly what God has done for what was done to or for humankind. So as I read these verses several times in the last couple of days, there are a couple things that struck me. First, the use of verbs, as a theologian stated, particularly God's action. So I don't know if any of you know this, but I am a person that loves verbs. <laughs> and sometimes it makes it into my sermons because I am such a fan, particularly action verbs because I am a person of action. Okay, so I wanna look at these verses. In verse three, it says, he blessed us. In verse four, he chose us, action. Verse five, he predestined us. Verse seven, redemption of sin, so an action there. Verse eight, grace has been lavished on us. Verse nine, he makes known the mystery of his will. Verse 10, bringing unity. Verse 11, we were chosen. Verse 12, hope is in Christ. Verse 13, you are included, uh, believed, marked, promised. That's a lot of verbs giving a picture of God's action towards us. And I might have even missed a couple. <laughs> this kind of love is worth rejoicing over. We have a verb here. We can rejoice over all this that we are invited and included in. In addition to the praise, prayer, and worship aspect of this text, as well as God's action, what appears as very significant is the concept of being in Christ. A very prominent and important part of Paul's theology. So if you have read any of the 13 epistles at any point in time, you will, you will read in Christ, in Christ, or some version, in Christ, in the Lord, in Him, 164 times, just in the epistles. And the New Testament overall, it's 180 times. So Paul really does have the corner on this. In Christ, in Christ. He 
definitely wants us to know this about ourselves, that we as believers are in Christ. This is our position. As believers, this speaks to our oneness and our identity in Christ. So maybe just take for a moment, which I'm gonna have us do a couple pauses throughout. Um, It's a short sermon, actually. (laughs) Um, What does it mean to you, if you just take a moment, when you think of in Christ and think of who you are, what does that mean? Having read these verses, can we get the verses back on on the screen of this chapter? What does it mean to be in Christ? And this is not a, you just keep this to yourself, but that's powerful. So take a moment to think about that. When I think about in Christ, I think about being nestled in the place that brings not only comfort, but a sense of security, a sense of love, a sense of being. My identity is in him. We get to be a part of that. Like, this is no small, small thing. <sighs> when I was reading, I don't have this on here, but I was reading a lot of different authors over the last few days, and one thing that they said that Paul really wanted emphasized in these few verses is the reality of his own journey, right? He was saved on the road to Damascus. It was a powerful experience. And as Christians, for us, I think this in Christ is also like ingesting this reality of we get to be a part of this and this was done for us as well. These action verbs apply to us as well. So hold on to that, because that also affects how you live. The last three days I was in a J-term class at North Park Theological Seminary where I'm enrolled in the School of Restorative Arts, like at least one other person in this room. In my opinion, one of the best initiatives, if not the best initiative of North Park, and I've talked about this before, but School of Restorative Arts is basically those who are are incarcerated at Stateville Prison and the women at um, Logan Prison we do classes together. So you have inside students and you have outside students. And uh, it's a four-year program, and when we leave, we'll have a, a justice, um, restorative justice ministries uh, degree. But one of the beauties of North Park is that as much as we're being taught solid theology and biblical justice and all the good stuff, I mean, justice should be a part of our theology, but that's a whole nother conversation. We're also taught, or maybe guided into a better, guided is a better word, to care for our souls and encourage others in the care for their spiritual formation. So not only for me, but also as a leader pastor for you. We're guided in that. No matter what program you're in, spiritual formation classes are a must in order to graduate. So you could have your Greek and whatever, if you don't have your spiritual formation classes, you're not graduating. So the class I took over the um, the last three days was called uh, Journey, the Story of Our Lives, an amazing class. It's one of those, like, maybe we can get Rob Peterson here to do do some work with us. The gist of the class was recognizing my internal work as a pastor and leader and being faithful to care for my soul and my walk as I journey. This included spiritual disciplines, accountability, recognizing weariness and burnout, and inviting the Lord and others into those spaces with me. 
Along with that, consider what it looks like to lead and guide others and care for their souls through what we were learning. It was like, okay, so I've been in seminary almost two and a half years, it was the best class, I think, by, by far, because it was personal, but it also was outward too. So the significance of me telling you all about this is not so you know my schedule and know where I am, you know, <laughs> in January of every year, hopefully. <laughs> but I had this passage in my mind the whole time I was there, and it was even um, a little bit later, uh, uh, the, what's gonna be preached on next week was, was also referenced at one point. And I was gleaning, and I was gaining things and tools for my growth in those days, and this passage just kept coming to mind. I'm sure some of it was anxiety. <laughs> And I'm sure some of it was just this reminder of who we are and what we are in Christ and what he has done for us. And something about that space, probably God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and a good professor, because sometimes they all gotta work when it comes to me, (laughs) um, made the part of praise as well as the part of being included, as well as the part of having hope in and believing and receiving and being lavished on, it made it feel tangible. So what we've read, it made it all the more when you're in a setting like that go, okay, this is for me too. Jesus did this for me, these verses that we are reading. It is so important to have, in addition to the word in our personal time with God, spaces that remind us of what God has done. And through his son, both the sacrifice as well as what he has called us to be a part of. So we saw those verses, and it's good to be in places where people remind you what and you are reminded, and you are able to remind others what has been done on their behalf. Ephesians 1 1 reminds us of all the blessings in Christ. So, we're already at the end. Will you close your eyes for a minute? It's safe. (laughs) I want you to consider what these words mean to you, and then I will pray for us. In Christ, chose us, chose you. Redemption through blood. Known to us the mystery of his will. Unity. Put our hope in. the praise of his glory. In Christ. When you believed. Marked with a seal. In Christ. In Christ, in Christ.